All right. Ooh. Hey. What's up, guys? Hey, you guys. Who's in the? Who is it said the what's up in the top? Was that you, Josh? Man? Oh, hey, Robbie. Never mind. Forget you, Josh. I'm just kidding. Hey. Um. So what's up? Uh, in case you didn't know me, um, I'm Hunter. I'm the junior high pastor here. Um, I'm not JJ. In case you didn't realize that. Um, hey, Dad. Anyways, hey, um, so who here has ever watched a movie by show of hands? All right, most of you, cool. So we're on a level playing field. Who here has maybe ever watched a movie that starts with this slide of some kind based on a true story? Some of you, okay, very nice. Now, understand this, why I say quote-unquote based on a true story is because a lot of times in these movies, uh, we, Hollywood's got to like just get in there and mess everything up, right? Hollywood's got to make things. So, so what I have here is a list of, quote unquote, based on or true story movies that actually are quite far from it, okay? So uh, let me see that first one there. Uh, Pocahontas. Okay, now understand this. Uh, this movie upsets me a lot because my dad's name is John Smith, okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm not, all right. So um, it is like, March 2002, okay? This, this is a story about my dad. For, it's like March 2002, okay? Uh, we're just a few months removed from September 11th, 2001, right? So my dad, my grandparents are moving from Florida up to Kentucky. They need somebody to drive the U-Haul, okay? So my dad, John Smith, willingly says, yes, I would love to go down and drive the U-Haul. And so my dad's trying to go through like TSA and customs and everything. And they take him back to like a secluded, like dark room. It's got like the one, y- y'all seen that in like police shows, like the interrogation room. It's got the one lamp. It's like, what do you think you're doing? All right. So turns out what happened was, okay, my dad, John Smith was flying one way to Orlando, Florida with no luggage Red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag, okay? Anytime my dad, like, hops on a plane, like, he gets stopped for extra questions simply because his name is John Smith, okay? Um, So, anyways, growing up, everybody used to think my mom was Pocahontas. So, anyways, I'm not lying. It made me really sad. Uh, Pocahontas, not true at all. Turns out that there was, like, some question if John Smith and Pocahontas ever, like, actually met in real life. There's some historical inaccuracies. There's no talking willow tree, that doesn't exist. Okay? So, next movie for me. Uh, cool Runnings. You guys seen Cool Runnings? Oh, yeah. Hey, here's what you do. You go home. Yeah, yeah. Don't say we don't believe. Jamaica got a bobsled team. All right? If you feel the rhythm, feel the ride, get on up. It's bobsled time. Some of you are cool people. All right, go home, get on your Disney Plus, watch this thing. But remember, take it with a grain of salt because it is not true. Turns out the coach, played by John Candy, never existed in real life. Turns out all of like the the Jamaicans were like kind of cast aside and ostracized by those stuck up Canadians. Didn't actually happen. The Canadians were kind of like, hey, y'all are cool. Let's hang out. All right. So not true. Next slide for me. Uh, Braveheart. Um, the best way I know how to describe this is basically if you watch the movie Braveheart, n- none of it, like there was a guy named William Wallace. He existed. All right, next. Um, the Greatest Showman. Um, 
based on a true story, there, there actually is a, a, a P.T. Barnum. Um, if you guys, I'm not going to tell you, and I'm also not going to encourage you, but if you Google it, this guy is a bad person. I use this term nicely as best I can. He's a trash people, okay? Next slide. Um, the Revenant. Okay, so everybody who went to see this movie went to see it for one reason and one reason only. Leonardo DiCaprio is going to get eaten by a bear, okay? In real life, apparently, we don't even know if he actually, if like the real life guy, Hugh Glass, actually ever got attacked by a bear. It'd probably be a lot cooler if he did. We don't know, but next slide. Um, Remember the Titans. Okay, so... Do you guys know how in Remember the Titans they present the high school as this like rough, tough, rags to riches, like underdog football team? Y'all feel me? In reality, this is what it was when they formed T.C. Williams. Think if you took Georgia, the number one football team, combined it with Alabama, the number two football team, what do you have? It's a superhuman football team. They won every game that season by like 20, 30 points. Like it wasn't even close, but doggone it. And made it look really good in Hollywood, right? All right, so, so all that to say, like, as we, as we watch these movies, sometimes we have to suspend disbelief because we have to ask ourselves, is this really a true story? What we're going to read tonight in Scripture, guys, is a true story. And it's going to sound kind of crazy. It's going to sound like, why would God ever ask this guy to do this? This is not the, like, maybe first thing you think of when you think of, like, cool Bible stories. Okay, understand this. VeggieTales never touched the story, and you'll see why in just a little bit. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Hosea. If you turn to Daniel, it's the next book after Daniel, okay? So we're going to be in Hosea. And while you're turning there, this is what Hosea chapter 1 verse 1 says. It says this, The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, son of Beeri, during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and of Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, king of Israel. So pause right there for just a second. What does this verse tell us? It again proves that point that this is a true story, that the events that are taking place here actually happened. Okay? And that's really important for us to understand because we're going to read this story further. And there's times, so Hosea is a prophet of God. Now, basically what a prophet did is he was the mouthpiece of God. He's telling everybody, this is what God is saying to you, okay? Has anybody at any time listened to music on like headphones, AirPods, something like that? You guys are familiar with that? Roughly, maybe, some of you, this means yes, very nice. Okay, cool. Uh, so when I was a kid, when I was like in junior high, like those kids, okay, I had a Walkman CD player, okay? It was cool. Yeah, I had a Walkman CD player, and uh, for some of like my generation, I downloaded LimeWire on, yeah, on my computer that just destroyed and gave my computer nothing but viruses, but doggone it, those three mixtapes I got, hot dog, all right? I don't remember fully. I just remember that one of them was a Jumper by Third Eyed Blind. And so I'd like put it in. Wish you a step back from that. It was like the first thing that popped up, all right? Uh, so I'd have my Walkman. And so on the CD, in the Walkman, on the iPod shuffle, on your phone has the message, has what you're trying to listen to. The headphones allow you to hear it, right? Think of that with prophets like Hosea, that God has the message, but Hosea is the one that's telling everybody, this is the message that you need to hear. 
And so what is this message that, that Hosea is tasked with telling us? Look at me in verses 2 through 3. This is where things start getting crazy. When the Lord first spoke to Hosea, he said to him, Go and marry a woman of promiscuity and have children of promiscuity, for the land is committing blatant acts of promiscuity by abandoning the Lord. So he went and married Gomer, funny name, married Gomer, the daughter of Diblium, and she conceived and bore him a son. So stop right there for just a second. Here's what God is saying. Hosea, good guy, sweet guy, I want you to go marry a woman with a reputation. I want you to go marry a woman who has some baggage. I want you to go marry a woman who, quite honestly, is most likely going to absolutely rip your heart out of your chest. Why would God ask us to do it? There's sometimes in the Bible that the Bible's full of like rich imagery, metaphors, allegory. It's cool. And there's sometimes we have to read a little bit deeper into that to really get and like understand fully. There's sometimes that metaphor hits you like a bus. This is going to be one of those times that metaphor is going to hit us like a bus, okay? So we need to understand who the characters are. So when we look at Hosea in this message, we need to think when we see Hosea, his actions, everything, that that is representing God the Father. That's representing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, okay? When we see Gomer, which automatically sounds like she's from Kentucky, okay? When we think of Gomer here, what we need to think of is that's, that represents us. That represents all of us here. Okay, because, because listen to me, what, what's happening here is that God is trying to show through Hosea the relationship that God has with his people. That what God is doing is that God is holy, God is perfect, God has a steadfast, unchanging, never failing love for his people. But it's the people who keep messing up, doing stupid stuff, and screwing up time and time and time and time again. It's the people who are chasing shiny things, shiny objects, other loves, while God remains steadfast and his love remains unchanging for those people, okay? And so when we, when we see this, what we're going to see is we're going to see God telling Hosea, hey, you're going to marry this person who's going to turn their back on you, hurt you, break your heart, destroy you, and you're going to be crazy about her, and you're going to love her fiercely, and she's going to absolutely destroy you. And that sounds kind of crazy, but if we really think about it, we've all seen this play out in our hallways at schools, right? It tip, some of you, typically, I'll just tell it, it happens a lot of times that there's a young man who gets absolutely head over heels for this young lady. And man, everything, like, oh, that's what, I, can I tell you a story? Some of y'all might have heard this. I'm in college. Uh, I get done with class, I sit in my apartment, and I'm with my, I got two roommates, Jared and Chris, okay? I'm sitting with my roommate, Jared, and we're doing everything like what we normally do on the weekends, or not weekends, on the afternoons, watching Phineas and Ferb, having a great time. Yes! Yeah, we're watching Phineas and Ferb, we're having a great time. Chris walks in, door flings open, he's so excited. Guys, you know what happened this weekend? I said, bro, I don't know, but volume up. All right. <laughs> Leslie broke up with her boyfriend. Now you have to understand that. Yes. Okay. Hold on just a second. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Devastating for her. Okay. Listen to me. So Leslie was like the apple of Chris's eye. Okay. And they sat next to each other in one class and he was just head over heels in love for her. But the problem was she had a boyfriend. Okay. That's not the case anymore. Chris is excited. And we're sitting here, and we're watching Phineas and Ferb, and I'm trying to figure out, like, Doofenshmirtz's, like, sad backstory, and Chris is just like, I, have you ever seen, like, 
I don't really know. Like, have you ever seen the horses, like, right before Kentucky Derby, and they're just, like, they're jet Or, like, the tunnel before a football game. They're just doing this number. Okay, that was Chris at this moment. And he's hyping himself up. And he's like, I got to go talk to her. I got to go talk to her. I got to go talk to her. And I'm sitting here like, I think that's a bad idea. There's 104 days of summer. All right. Chris has talked himself into it. Guys, I, I got to, if I don't do it, I'll regret it for the rest of my life. Not true. I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life. He, sling, he flings out the door. He goes and he talks. And he left the door. Jared turned to me and he said, this isn't going to end well, is it? I said, no, it's not. No, it's not. Because you also have to understand this, okay? With all due respect to my friends, Leslie was so far out of Chris's league. Chris also was a musician, so he got like that two-point bump on the scale of one to ten, okay? So he's a solid five right now, okay? <laughs> he's never going to listen to this podcast. Names have been changed to protect the innocent. But that was what I should have done. How many Chris's in the world do you know? Anyways, so here we go. He comes back. Y'all listen to me. He comes back. He opens up the door. He is beaming. He is so, he is on cloud nine. He is so excited. You guys want to know what Leslie told Chris? Ladies, this is a practical lesson for you. What she said is, I'm just not ready for a relationship right now. Now, ladies, let me tell you something, okay? This is not mean. This is not hateful. If you know the answer is no, the most loving thing you can do for that young man is slam the door as hard as you can in his face. Because leaving it cracked just a little bit does what? Leaves room for hope. It leaves room for hope. He's so excited. It's going to happen one day. And man, like, I, there just was no talking him down. But you know what happened over time? That, like, infatuation, that love and everything for that just apple of his eye faded and faded and faded and faded. He's happily married with somebody else now. But guys, that's what happens. We're, we're just like that, man. We have this thing. We latch on to it. We're so excited. We love it. We love it. We love What's this over here? And what God is trying to show through Hosea and through Gomer is that that is the relationship that God has with his people, that God loves us unconditionally, dearfully, greatly. We turn, we fall away. Hosea goes on to say that, that Gomer and him, they actually start a family, that, that she has three children. It says the first one that she conceived, she bore him, him being Hosea, she conceived, bore him a son named him Jezreel, okay? The next child, it says she conceived and bore another child, What's different right there? The first one, it says she conceived, bore him a son. Now the next two, she conceived and bore her children. There's a good possibility that these kids are not Hosea's. You get this picture here of how bad this is hurting his heart. And there's a guy who loves her, and she turns her back on him. These kids are named Jezreel, which means that God is going to have his revenge their name is no mercy, which means that God's going to have no mercy on his people. It means that you are not my people because they are not acting like his people. And so, guys, it's important for us. We see here, we are not Hosea in this story because we are not this steadfast love because we look for petty reasons to stop things. 
My first church, I walked in, I had two girls that were best friends, thick as thieves. I walk in one Wednesday, they are having nothing to do with each other, sitting on opposite ends of the gym. You want to know why they're fighting? They're going to wear the same dress to prom. Like the same style, two different dresses, one style, okay? We look for petty reasons, guys. Our love is not steadfast, is not perfect like God's love, but God's love is perfect for us. So what God says, hey, you go, you take this woman, you love her, and she's going to break your heart. And we could put a pin, a pin in that, we could period that and say, okay, that's the end of the story. God's love is different because he goes on chapter 2, beginning of verse 16. It says this, in that day, this is the Lord's declaration, you will call me my husband and no longer call me my other gods. For I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth. They will no longer be remembered by their names. On that day, I will make a covenant for them with the wild animals, the birds of the sky, the creatures that crawl on the ground. I will shatter bow, sword, and weapons of war in the land. I will enable people to rest securely. I will take you to be my wife forever. I will take you to be my wife in righteousness, justice, love, and compassion. I will take you to be my wife in faithfulness, and you will know the Lord. And on that day, I will respond. This is the Lord's declaration. I will respond in the sky, and it will respond onto the earth. The earth will respond to the grain, the new wine, the fresh oil, and they will respond to Jezreel. I will sow hurt in the land for myself. I will have compassion on no mercy. I will say to not my people, you are my people, and they will say, you are my God. Verse three, chapter three, verse one, it's really cool. It says this, and the Lord said to me, Hosea, go again, show love to a woman who is loved by another man. And is an adulteress, just as I, the Lord, loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and they love raising cakes. That's the love that God has for us. That while we turn, while we follow shiny things, while we turn, God's love remains steadfast, remains fully pure in all things. The Bible goes on to say how Hosea goes and he gets his wife back, is that he comes and he starts buying her back. In, in, in the Old Testament law, there, there's customs of like what it takes to buy back a slave. And that's what Hosea does. He goes to buy his wife back. And he starts with silver. He starts with gold. He starts with jewels. He starts with money. And it starts working itself down to, it says that he gave them barley. He gave them grain and things like that. Okay, traditionally, Old Testament history right here, if I'm going to buy something, I'm going to give like my top dollar, which is my silver, which is my jewels and everything. When I have nothing left, now I'm going to offer grain. Now I'm going to offer barley. Now I'm going to offer wheat. Now I'm going to offer these things like that. What this shows is the spectrum of what it took Hosea to buy his wife back. And quite honestly, what it means for us reading it is that he gave everything he had, everything he owned to buy this adulterous wife back. You can almost see like him going through the couch cushions. You can almost see him going through like the saddlebags on his camel looking for like loose change. He gave it all to buy his wife back. And you see again how this is a picture of God's love for his people. That God sent his son to die on the cross for sins, that we might be saved, that we might be forgiven, that we might not have to be cast out, that we might not have to live in slavery forever, that we could be saved, that we could be redeemed forever. So guys, real quick, eyes and ears on me for just a second. Hey, if you don't know that love, I'll just be really honest, I'm sorry about it. I'm sorry that you've never made that decision before. It's foundational in all of us in our deepest, darkest holes that we want 
to be loved, that we want to be adored, that we want to be valued, that we want to be all these things. And we will try and fill that with things of this world. We'll try and fill that with love from other people. We'll try to fill that with love of other things. I don't know if you've ever had something that you have loved dearly that has broken your heart. It is devastating. I remember laying on my bed in high school with my ankle taped up and iced up because I busted it up in a football game. I remember working my whole life to play college football, and I remember looking at my phone with an email saying, hey, uh, sorry you're hurt, but we're going to pull your scholarship. I remember those feelings. Those things do not feel good. You know who's never sent me an email, a text, or anything saying you're not good enough, I don't love you anymore? It's going to be our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that's never going to happen to you either. Guys, you will never know a love on this world like the love of the Lord. And so, guys, close your eyes, bow your heads. I'm going to ask the band to come up real quick. And just listen to my voice for just a second. What I want you to hear me say is this. That there is a love unlike anything else that you could ever know in this world, and it is free for the taking. It's free for the having. And that's going to come in a relationship with the Lord. It's going to come in a relationship with the God of the universe who loves you, whose love is steadfast, who loves the, whose love does not change. And if you are here tonight and you do not know what that means, if you do not know what that love means or a relationship like that means, during small group sometime tonight, I want you to talk to your small group leader. I want you to pull somebody aside. If you have a friend that you know has made that decision, I want you to, tack, to, to, to grab them and talk to them and say, what do I have to do? Because, guys, we have two choices. We can remain in slavery forever, or we can accept a freeing love of the Lord. And that decision is yours here tonight. Father God, we love you. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for this crazy story that's still so true and so real. And God, I pray for those here tonight that might not know what a relationship with you looks like. God, let tonight be that night. Lord, we love you. Pray these things in your name. Amen.